Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Dr. Sanam Hafiz, a neuropsychologist in practice in New York City. Dr. Hafiz is also a mother of young sons. She's a wife, a daughter, a friend. So dealing with life situations such as most of us are. And it is the neuropsychologist who looks at all that is happening and is concerned about the coping mechanisms some people will choose. Let's meet Dr. Hafiz to learn of some constructive ways to live life today and into the future. Dr. Sanam Hafiz, good morning. It is really so wonderful. Such a gift to have you join us today. Thank you so much for bringing me on. Well, I am very grateful, as I said. Uh, You're we're having a conversation. You're in New York City while I'm on the West Coast. How are things where you are? How are you doing? I'm doing well. My family's doing well. Um, you know, I know some people who have, contra- you know, they've contracted the, the virus and um, fortunately they've recovered or at least they've come out of it. Um, it's, you know, it's just a very scary time. I mean, this is, um, you know, it's surreal to be in New York City and, and you know, every time I I have to get on the road, which is almost never, but it's it's just kind of, you know, dreamlike to see New York City so completely almost abandoned. You know, the, the streets are completely vacant. There are no cars on the road. It's just it's a scary time. And it's, um, you know, uh, there's something just very poignant about this because New York City has been hit before. I mean, it was much younger, but 9-11 happened. But this has just a different feel to it. Um you know, but people are doing their part. People are staying home. And a lot of, you know, goodness has come out of this for, you know, when you look around, you see a lot of people volunteering and, you know, doing good things. Yes. It is during hard times that we often see the best in us coming forward. Right. 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 And yet part of the big reason that we're having this conversation this morning is when this kind these circumstances this kind of time affects different people differently uh, one of those big cases is the use of of alcohol and how uh, that seems to be on the increase you have noticed that is that right oh absolutely yeah I mean I, and you know even before a lot of this increase came up and, and people were talking about this, it was one of my first thoughts. I said, you know, people who struggle with alcohol and substance abuse are going to struggle with it a lot more. Because, you know, all the calls that I get, and I, I still do some telehealth work, um, I get a lot of emails, I've been doing a lot of media work, live question and answers. Um, and the, the thing that keeps coming up, it, like almost like a theme, is that people are struggling with things that they always struggled with just at a higher magnitude. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. if you're struggling with alcohol consumption or even let's say pot use or you're struggling with, you know, anxiety or anger issues, um, you were always struggling with that. You were just somehow managing and coping. And now it's almost like all the filters have been taken off, right? The buffers have been pulled away. So alcohol use is just one of those things. People end up falling back on it if it's always been a method of coping. Um, and right now we all, I mean, that one thing I will be um, honest about, we all, I don't care who you are, how mentally strong you are, we all need something something to help us cope with this. It's, it's a tough time. So that is a good awareness. That's a an excellent tip to, to have that awareness that we need something to help us cope and to then be aware of what it is that we're going to choose. Right. 
Right. Like, are you having an entire tub of ice cream? That's a way of coping, not the healthiest way of coping. Are you, you know, drinking a bottle of wine a night? Probably also not the healthiest way of coping, right? So, so being aware of some of our tendencies or pitfalls um, is very important. You know, um, I talk a little bit about scheduling time in, almost, almost behaving as if you had to go to work and your children were going to school and you had to have dinner dates, you know. There has to be some sort of a schedule, some paradigm for us to follow or, you know, some of our more, um, you know, basic uh, primitive sort of instincts tend to take over. It's just the way we're designed. You know, we're designed to self-protect. We're designed to cope in whatever way makes us feel best, fastest. And alcohol can sometimes do that. But then you have poor sleep. You may not be able to wake up for your nine o'clock meeting. Um, you may not be able to get your kids up if you have them, you know, or or work with them during the day because you're exhausted, right? So there's there are these lingering effects, and you see it on, on on your face. It starts to you know wake up puffy. You wake up tired. Your skin looks you know uh, flushed and 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 dull. I mean, there's just so many effects you know that that sort of are immediate. Um, not to mention, you know, long-term liver damage and, and damage to your health. And the most important thing in the midst of a time where we need our immunity, it lowers your immunity. Alcohol makes you more susceptible. And that's a, such a critical thing at any time, of course. But right now, because of the impacts of the coronavirus on breathing on our lungs and and how our immune system ties into all of that. Very right. critical. Absolutely. Exactly. And so very interesting that you're saying we need to have a schedule. Uh, perhaps at initially frightening as it may have seemed, or maybe it felt like, oh, we're getting kind of a vacation. I don't have to drive into work every day. But as the reality sets in, and I imagine it's, you know, whether you're an individual, a single person, or whether you're in a family atmosphere, they both have their challenges. Oh, 100%. I mean, if if you're um, a single person, you know, the, the loneliness, especially if you're a person who was used to going out, who was used to seeing friends or, you know, dating, whatever um, your life was, it can become somewhat um, not just isolating, but very depressing. It, it, it can make you um, sort of deal or grapple with some very deep life issues. You know, what is this? You start evaluating your old relationships. You start looking into, you know, what you might be doing wrong or how you might come out of this stronger, which which are good things because, you know, self-growth can be one of the best things that can come out of this quarantine, you know, crisis pandemic situation. Um, but often, you know, when people are faced with some of the darkest things about themselves, their instinct is to do something to make themselves feel better. And alcohol is such an available, easy, present substance, right? Yes. It's easier than doing self-work, right? No one wants to dig up and, and, and fix, um, you know, very, very internal processes. It's just so much easier to pour yourself a glass of wine. Also, if you're single, you probably have a lot of friends inviting you to these, you know, Zoom happy hours, right? Virtual happy hours. And it makes you feel like it's okay. It's, it's fine. Um, you know, my friends are doing it. What's one glass of wine? What they do, might, might not know, and they might be doing it as well. When you hang up, you're going to have another three glasses of wine or four glasses of wine, right? So that's where it starts to get into this, um, 
gray area. You know, I, I had a Zoom happy hour a couple of nights ago and a few nights ago. And my one of my friends was in California, so it was a lot earlier for her. And and I said to her, and, you know, so a couple of our friends were drinking and I just poured myself a soda. I said, nah, it's kind of like it's 1030 at night. I'm not going to have a drink, you know. And it's okay to say that. You can have a glass of Coke. You can have water. You can have a cup of green tea. It doesn't have to be alcohol, and you don't have to feel, you know, there's a social pressure. It's amazing how we're built as people. The social pressures don't ease up just because you're not physically present. You know, everyone's posting these pictures of Zoom happy hours. Well, I should too. You know, no one wants to be left out. And it's, um, and it's, it's definitely alcohol consumption has always been, somewhat, you know, um, not necessarily always instigated, but definitely encouraged because of social or peer pressure. And you would think that during this time, uh, when the connections are virtual, that the pressure, oh, I'm thinking the pressure should be a little less than when you are person to person and you feel stymied as to, you know, how am I going to look? How am I going to sound? Am I going to say the right thing? Mm-hmm. But I, it, the pressures are the same, are they? Well, it's, I wouldn't say necessarily that they're the same. They're different. They're different. They're not necessarily the same as, let's say, being in a bar or at an event or, you know, a party. But, you know, wanting to join in and connect with other people. There's an intense need to do that. If everyone's drinking, you feel like, hey, why not? But, you know, for you, that might open um, a can of worms or you can uh, sort of unleash, you know, uh, a dam. And and people just need to be aware of this. They need to be aware of their own drinking habits. Um, you know, it's just, it's good to have boundaries around everything, um, but especially things that can turn into vices that can become problematic. You know, my father used to love his whiskey, rest his soul. And sometimes some nights I'd call him and I'd say, Dad, what are you doing? Having a glass of whiskey or wine? And he'd say, no, it's Thursday. You know, I don't drink on Thursday. <laughs> you know, he knew he loved his whiskey and he had these nights. He would say, I'm only going to drink on like Friday night, Sunday night. And maybe, you know, like, and that's it. And then, you know, I guess looking back, he was a very disciplined man. He liked to work out. He had, you know, he loved to write. He loved to go to his job. And, and I think he just knew that if this gets out of control, I'll be drinking every night. And he kept a, a lid on it. And, you know, and he was disciplined. And I think that's the bottom line. We have to have some discipline even more so because we don't have that outside structure anymore to provide that discipline. You know, like a, a job where you have to clock in at nine o'clock or a boss is going to, you know, sort of expect you to be at a meeting at 8.30 in the morning. And when that falls away, you know, it's okay to be in your pajama bottoms, you know, but now I think we're getting in that phase where it's actually better not to be in your pajama bottoms. Like get up in the morning, take a shower like you normally would, put some clothes on. It's okay to be in jeans or, you know, tights, you know, you don't necessarily have to wear professional clothes, but at least it makes you feel like you have something to do. You know, but the other thing is that people are also struggling with a loss of job or, um, you know, being laid off and uh, sort of just facing financial difficulty if you're if you run your own business or you're a freelancer. So, I, you know, there's so many reasons and stressors that make it somewhat OK to seek out, you know, alcohol. Um, but the problem is that if you're doing that, it actually is counterproductive. You want to be able to come out of this and you know, try to get another job if that's what's going on or try to get your business back up and running. And alcohol is, it's, it's 
completely the, the contradiction to that kind of productivity. Right. It's just going to undermine us further, create, as you were saying, the physical uh, problems with our health, but also, you know, there's the layer of the mental problem, too. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, like I said, it it wreaks havoc on your body in so many ways. Um, you know, your sleep cycle, your immunity, but it also um, compounds on anxiety, depression, the things that you're already dealing with. If you're in a, in a relationship, in a marriage, in a partnership, um, your fights are more likely to be nastier, more um, impulsive, um, and less resolution. So alcohol is it's just a, it's a bad mix if you're doing it all the time. And, you know, if your kids, if you have kids at home, then even more so because you can't be present for them, you might act out. Um, and they're now at home all the time watching this. Right. So there's just so many factors to consider. And that then, when we think of family members present as well and alcohol in the mix of that, then we can see where there might be abuse happening, initiated or increasing. Alongside of the substance abuse concern that I had very early on, the other concern I had was that relationships and marriages that are already on the rocks or there's been a history of abuse, um, even verbal or emotional, it is likely to become more tenuous and difficult during this time. Um, abuse can become more physical. And, you know, one of the things that I talked about in, at very early on in this quarantine, I said, you know, my focus is shifting from just the coronavirus being the pandemic and the crisis that it is, but also shifting to not only the mental health crisis that we all foresee, you know, with anxiety, depression, PTSD, but also alcohol and substance abuse, as well as domestic violence. And the problem with those things is that those kind of difficulties, you know, alcohol abuse or the issues that come with it or substance abuse, people overdosing or domestic violence, which is uh, criminal, it taxes and puts undue burden on law enforcement agencies who have got their work cut out for them as it is right now, you know, keeping the peace and, and you know, sort of helping out in, in so many different ways. And it's, it's going to be a real big problem because cities are taxed as it is. You know, the force, people in the force, at least in New York and NYPD, we've had so many officers and, and employees of NYPD that have gotten sick um, and even died. And so, you know, it, there's such a trickle-down effect, and it affects everything, right? It, it sort of eventually makes its way into different areas of functioning. Yes. No one is untouched. And, mm-hmm. uh, and all of us... As individuals, we react differently uh, in having these conversations. My hope is that we get that uh, awareness heightened, thinking about how we might do things more constructively. Now, I think some of us are stronger than others and maybe a little more self-resilient. But if people are needing uh, more assistance and directions, what do you suggest, Dr. Hafiz? Um, several things. Um, I think, you know, the easiest things are things you can do at home and for free. So setting up a schedule, you know, scheduling in a walk, even light stretching, if you can make it to like one of those, you want to do something on Zoom, do one of those Zoom exercise classes, you know, um, take a light walk, um, you know, prepare yourself a couple of snacks, 
that you have something to munch on, you know, keep in mind that a lot of, you know, uh, alcohol or substance abuse has a lot to do with oral fixations or wanting to put something, um, you know, in your mouth just to chew on or just to sip on. And I feel like if you have some alternatives and that, you know, something healthy, like, you know, let's just a couple of grapes or, you know, cheese and crackers, I think it would help sort of that craving. Mm-hmm. Um, you can schedule in, you could text, you know, some close family members or friends and say, hey, you want to get hop on the phone today and say hi? You know, what time works for you? And this way you know someone's waiting for you to call. And if you have a witching hour, you know, people who at like six or seven start itching for that drink, you know, maybe schedule one of those calls then because it gives you something to do and say, hey, you want to chat while I quickly make myself a meal or, you know, do you want to watch this show together? There's so many different things you can do. But if that's not enough, if that's not going to cut it, then reach out to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a therapist. A lot of these people can treat you and do a lot of good work via phone or Skype or Zoom or FaceTime even because, you know, that's the one type of mental, one type of health profession where someone doesn't need to check you for a lump, right? You don't need to necessarily be physically present. And those practitioners are available and you should take advantage of them. But there are also uh, free resources in your city or state of, you know, I know in New York City, I volunteered to be a, um, a mental health professional for the governor's office. And they will, and I, they still haven't called on me because they said that 14,000 people applied and they have that many volunteers. So there are services available right now that you should be taking advantage of if you feel like you need them. So just an aside on that, isn't that incredible to see this outpouring, that desire mm-hmm. to want to help? So help, yeah. just know, I think that that's, you know, one instance, I'm sure it's multiplied across all the states. Absolutely. I mean, it's, this is what I was talking about earlier on, this outpour of um, altruism and uh, the spirit of volunteering is so touching to me. Every time I get that email, you know, we've had over 14,000 volunteers, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, mental health experts wanting to help. And it just, it's so heartwarming. You know, I, I remember, again, I was, I was very young, but I also, I, I'm not very, very young, but young enough um, to also remember 9-11. And, you know, New York City is just... It's a beautiful, beautiful city, and the people are wonderful, and everyone, um, you know, even though they're scared for their own lives, are doing amazing things. Um, And, you know, and it kind of goes back to uh, sort of protecting yourself against some of these these things, like falling victim to, um, you know, substance abuse or alcohol abuse. If you can do something for someone else, if you can feel needed or you can feel that you are that someone else is depending on you or relying on you. It gives you purpose. It gives you something to do. So maybe you don't go out and volunteer in person, but there are things you can do. You know, you can package food up or you can, you know, do things for a food drive. You could uh, donate money. You could, um, you know, host some kind of a class, a meetup group. Just do something where you feel like your life has purpose and you can do something for someone else during this quarantine. Right. And it occurs to me as we do something for someone else and we we feel good about that, to look for these online resources too, uh, you know, find someone who could could listen to us or just even do some reading. Like uh, I feel following you, finding information from your website, from your Instagram is mm-hmm. a good resource as well. 
Oh, absolutely. I've been responding to emails, you know, while saying, look, this is not medical or, or uh, mental health advice because, you know, we don't have a relationship, but I'm happy to do it. Um, my website is www.comprehendthemind.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Sanam Hafiz, one word, D-R-S-A-N-A-M-H-A-S-E-E-Z. Um, and if you write to me, I can help you. I can guide you to resources that might be available. Um, you know, if nothing else, I can be, uh, you know, a, a quick email away for some kind of guidance. And see, it's I think that sort of encouragement, so if we feel isolated or alone, even if in a family we can feel isolated, that that is a lifeline you're offering. And maybe then encouraging direction to someone who's a little closer at hand, ultimately. But here, as we're talking, and you're helping to guide us through some ideas and some process, I I feel that this is really such a, a, a great tool, a great tip. Um, yeah, thank you very much. I mean, I would hope so. I feel like everyone feels like there isn't um, anything out there that they can use, but there is. There's a ton of resources out there, and this would be a good time to employ them. And with that, you know, this whole idea of we're going through such a hard time, and, you know, there's that kind of adage of, you know, what what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So let's not mm-hmm. think of the, the, the negative part of it, but think of how we might be strengthened. Use this as a time to, to really find some something within us, uh, strengthen a talent that we have. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I actually read a piece this morning um, from the Wall Street Journal. It was very interesting, and, and I think it's actually quite true that there, is, there are some people who can come out of crisis situations even stronger, um, and it's called post-traumatic growth, which mm-hmm. is an interesting concept, right. um, and it basically talks a little bit about that. You know, you can't come out of anything stronger if you don't deal with it. If you don't deal with some of the difficult things that come up, that self-growth has to come from introspection. It has to come with facing what's on your mind, what your um, tendencies and pitfalls are, and dealing with them and saying, okay, how do I correct this? You know, making a plan, writing down your goals, small goals, big goals. Small goals can just be literally, what do I want to accomplish this morning? How many calls do I want to make? Should I write this email? And feeling overwhelmed by it, when you write it on a piece of paper or make a note on your phone, then you have some things that you can check off and say, yep, done, done, got it, did it. And it feels great. It's very reinforcing. Um, and then, you know, if you if you think you need to seek out help, whether it's even a trusted confidant, a good friend, a family member, you know, that person can help you sort of understand why you feel a certain way or what, and maybe give you some objective opinion about something. But a professional can really, really help out. Yes. And, you know, just to underscore that part of it, the professionals are there. And especially when it comes to dealing with um personal issues like this that are more of the the mental, the emotional part. This can be done so much more readily by phone or FaceTime because that's the advantage these days. We have so much technology to assist us. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the average psychologist or psychiatrist, um, you know, doesn't necessarily do mental health tele-sessions, right? But 
and I was saying this to someone else, I said, I think one of the reasons therapy doesn't always work out is because life gets in the way. Someone has to, you know, schedule that time, let's say every Tuesday, but then one Tuesday you have another doctor's appointment or your meeting runs late or you missed your train and then you miss your appointment and then you have to show up and look for parking. You know, it's a commitment, but doing it by phone or by you know, FaceTime or Skype is so much easier because it doesn't require any of that. And right now, those those kind of services are actually available to you. So take advantage of them. Right. And I can't think of a single person um, that I know, uh, anyone who might be listening, who can't benefit from therapy. Not necessarily that they need it, but who can't benefit from it. We, we're complicated people. We've got so many things that get away from us and kind of get lost in the humdrum of life. Therapy is a great way to deal with some of those things. You know, no one's ever said, well, it didn't help me. Right. And that's a piece of personal growth as well, is to realize that perhaps and say, oh, I have an issue with this. Maybe I should just investigate this to try and overcome it and see how much stronger I become because of it. Yeah, again, you know, it takes it takes a little bit of courage to do that, right? Because we're afraid of what a therapist might tell us. We're afraid of, you know, that one friend or that one family member that tells you the truth. It's hard to face some of those things, but it's only after you face them can you grow. Right. And I really appreciate how you shared with us from the article you read about post-traumatic growth. That is a, a, a great phrase, and I think a, a, a new phrase for us to really embrace and, and think about during this um, new time, this challenging time we're living in. Absolutely. I mean, look, you know, the, you know it's sort of like that old adage of um, make lemonade. You know, yes. you're in this situation, for better or worse, this, it, it, it is what it is. You're not alone. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's going through it. Um, you know, especially where I am in New York City. I mean, it's, you know, it's 8 million people in lockdown. So it's kind of hard to beat up on yourself and, and do the whole self-pity thing because, you know, I, I constantly say that one of the things that this has done for me, um, I'd love to think I was always grateful, but I constantly remind myself of how much gratitude I feel for just having a roof over my head or being able to feed myself and my family um, or that I can even do this, that I have work still coming in. I mean, there's so many people that literally don't know if they're going to be able to have another meal. And, you know, if, even if you start by writing three things every day that you're grateful for, you know, that's amazing because it centers you. It gives you perspective. Yes. And if you can come out of this stronger or like you accomplish something, even if it's an emotional accomplishment, even if it's just growing as a person, even if you end up repairing a relationship because you called that one, that brother you never talked to, you know, or that old friend that you lost touch with, then you can look back and say, I guess it wasn't all bad. It was tough. There was a lot of, you know, tragedy around me, but something good came of it. What an, another excellent exercise and, or opportunity for growth uh, in the midst of all this conversation with you this morning, Dr. Hafiz, which I've so appreciated. I feel that there's just a wealth of information for us. This is perhaps the initial uh, conversation with a, a psychologist uh, that mm -hmm. some people may consider. How about that? 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so greatly for your time. Thank you for all the work that you are doing, that you have done and, and will be doing going forward. This has really b- truly been a gift, and I appreciate you and your time. Thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation as well. And I hope it was helpful to your listeners. I do as well. I trust that. (laughs) Okay. This is Mandy Ringenberg with a Sunday morning shout out. This week's shout out goes to the Crisis Text Line. This is a free online and texting resource that's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The helpline started in a natural way after Nancy Lublin, CEO of DoSomething.org, an organization dedicated to helping young people and social change. After noticing many of its members texting in asking for a reliable resource to turn to in times of crisis, Lublin decided to start up the crisis text line. From 2013, the helpline launched under its own entity and has since helped over 100 million people across the globe. Now, because the holidays can often bring more emotions, high stress levels, and anxiety, even with the colder months, it can heighten the feelings of depression. And sometimes physically talking can be too hard, and texting sometimes relieves that pressure to vocalize one's thoughts. The Crisis Text Line offers a ton of helpful insights on their website. They include symptoms on how to spot and manage anxiety, loneliness, depression, even topics including bullying, and how to handle stress and anxiety in school. According to their website, the greatest need for a counselor is between 7 p.m. and 3 a.m. If you want to volunteer to help, just visit their website and they will provide you with extensive online training. In 30 hours of training, you'll walk away knowing reflective listening, collaborative problem solving, and crisis management. To reach out and get assistance, U.S. residents can text HOME, that's H-O-M-E, to 741-741. The helpline is also available in Canada. To use the text line for Canadians, text HOME, again, that's H-O-M-E, to 686-868. This resource is also available internationally. For more information on how to volunteer to become a crisis counselor, learn more about important mental health and social issues, or maybe even watch the CEO's TED Talk and how she has experienced starting the helpline, Visit their website, that's www.crisistextline.org. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Dr. Sanam Hafiz and Sunday Morning Magazine with Jack Kerfoot. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of seeing what we may want to strengthen within ourselves. Have a week of the same. And then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 1069. Good morning. <laughs>